0: Welcome everyone to Understanding the I Am That Is You podcast. Hey everybody, it's your girl Wynn Ruffin, and I pray all is well with everyone, and your hearts and minds are full of love, joy, and compassion for all your brothers and sisters in spirit where that is not the case with some of us though, which could be for many reasons, let us continue to pray and keep working on it. But if we choose not to make the extra effort to do so, it is not because the love is not in us. And that's real. Because there is never a lack of love within any of us to share at any time, not with ourselves or anyone else. For the love of the living God dwells within all of us, no matter who or where we are on this earth. And since it is that time of year, when there is an elevated concentration of loving energy and higher qualities streaming through the atmosphere, let us be sure to do our part to be more loving in our actions and thoughts as often as possible and share the loving energy of our own mighty I am presence with all our brothers and sisters in spirit throughout our communities, our country, and all around the world. Amen. Give thanks and praises for love and life. And y'all be loved.
1: There are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost, and these three are one, 1 John 5 7, 8. This text, which evidently discloses a belief in the existence of three separate and distinct beings in the Godhead, sets forth a doctrine which was anciently of almost universal prevalence. Nearly every nation, whether Oriental or Occidental, whose religious faith has been commemorated in history, discloses in its creed a belief in the trifold nature and triune division of the deity. St. Jerome testifies unequivocally, all the ancient nations believed in the Trinity. A text from one of the Hindu Bibles, the Puranas, will evince the antiquity and prevalence of this belief in a nation of one hundred and fifty million of people, more than two thousand years ago. O you three lords, ejaculated attention, know that I recognize only one God. Inform me, therefore, which of you is the true divinity that I may address to him alone my vows and adorations? The three gods, Brahma, Vishnu, and Shiva, becoming manifest to him, replied Learn, O devotee, that there is no real distinction between us. What do you appear such as only by semblance? The single being appears under three forms by the acts of creation, preservation, and destruction, but he is one. Now, reader, note the remark here. That the ancient Christian Fathers almost universally and unanimously proclaimed the doctrine of the Trinity as one of the leading tenets of the Christian faith, and as a doctrine derived directly by revelation from heaven. But here we find it most explicitly set forth by a disciple of a pagan religion more than 3000 years ago, as the Christian missionary D.O. Allen states, that the Hindu Bible, in which it was found was compiled 1400 years before Christ, and written at a still earlier period. And we find the same doctrine very explicitly taught in the ancient Brahman, Persian, Chaldean, Chinese, Mexican and Grecian systems, all much older than Christianity. No writer ever taught or avowed a belief in any tenet of religious faith more fully or plainly than Plato sets forth the doctrine of the Trinity in his Phaedon, written 400 years BC and his terms are found to be in most striking conformity to the Christian doctrine on this subject, as taught in the New Testament. Plato's first term for the Trinity was in Greek. 1. To Agathon, the Supreme God or Father, 2. The Logos, which is the Greek term for the word, and 3. Psyche, which the Greek lexicon defines to mean soul, spirit or ghost, of course, the Holy Ghost. Here we have the three terms of the Christian Trinity, Father, Word, and Holy Ghost, as plainly taught as language can express it thus making Plato's exposition of the Trinity and definition of its terms, published 400 years BC, identical in meaning with those of St. John's, as found in his Gospel, and contained in the above quoted text. Where, then, is the foundation for the dogmatic claim on the part of the Christian professors for the divine origin of the Trinity doctrine? We will here cite the testimony of some Christian writers to prove that the Trinity is a pagan-derived doctrine. A Christian bishop, Mr. Powell, declares, I not only confess but I maintain, such a similitude of Plato's and John's Trinity doctrines as bespeaks a common origin. Thirteenth letter to Dr. Priestley. What is that you say, Bishop? A common origin. Then you concede both are heaven-derived, or both heathen-derived. If the former, then revelation and heathenism are synonymous terms. If the latter, then Christianity stands on a level with heathen mythology. Which horn of the dilemma will you choose? Saint Augustine confessed he found the beginning of John's Gospel in Plato's Phaedon, which is a concession of the whole ground. Another writer, Chetabron, speaks of an ancient Greek inscription on the great obelisk at Rome, which reads, 1, the mighty God. 2, the begotten of God, as Christ is declared to be the only begotten of the Father, John 1:14; And 3, Apollo the Spirit, the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost, thus presenting in plain language the three terms of the Trinity, And Mr. Cudworth, in corroboration of this report, says, the Greeks had a first God and second God and third God, and the second was begotten by the first. And yet for all that, continues Mr. Cudworth, they considered all these one. In the Platonic or Grecian Trinity, the first person was considered the planner of the work of creation, the second person the creator. And the third person the ghost or spirit which moved upon the face of the waters, and infused life into the mighty deep at creation, the same Holy Ghost which descended from heaven to infuse life into the waters at Christ's baptism. Thus, the resemblance is complete. Mr. Baznage quotes a Christian writer of the 5th century as declaring, The Athenian sage Plato marvelously anticipated one of the most important and mysterious doctrines of the Christian religion, meaning the Trinity, an important concession truly. The oldest and probably the original form of the Trinity is that found in the Brahman and Hindu systems, the terms of which are 1, Brahma, the Father, or Supreme God. 2, Vishnu, the incarnate word and creator. 3, Shiva, the Spirit of God, i.e., the Holy Spirit or Ghost, each answering to corresponding terms of the Christian Trinity, and yet 2,000 years older, according to Dr. Smith. We have not allowable space for other facts and citations, as this work is designed as a mere epitome, although we have but entered upon the threshold of the evidence tending to prove that the Christian Trinity was born of heathen parents, that it is an offspring of heathen mythology, like other doctrines of the Christian faith, claimed by its disciples as the gift of divine revelation. Here let it be noted as a curious chapter in sacred history that the numerous divine trinities which have constituted a part of nearly every religious system ever propagated to the world were composed, in every case, of male gods. No female has ever yet been admitted into the triad of gods composing the orthodox trinity. Every member of the trinity in every case is a male, and an old bachelor, a doctrine most flagrantly at war with the principles of modern philosophy. For this science teaches us that the endowment of a being with either male or female organs, presupposes the existence of the other sex, and that either sex, without the other would be a ludicrous anomaly, and a ludicrous distortion of nature unparalleled in the history of science. As sexual organs create an imperious desire for the other sex, no male or female could long enjoy full happiness in the absence of the other party. What an unhappy, lonesome place, therefore, the orthodox heaven must have been, during the eternity of the past, with no society but old bachelors. The Trinity was constituted of males simply because woman has always been considered a mere cipher in society, a mere tool for man's convenience, an appendage to his wants. Hence, instead of having a place among the gods she led the practical life of a servant and a menial, which accounts for her exclusion from the Trinity. But the time is coming when she will rule both heaven and earth with the omnipotent power of her love nature. Then we shall have no war in heaven and no fighting on earth. The World Sixteen Crucified Saviors by Kersey Graves, 1875
0: Isis Unveiled, Volume 2, Chapter 4
1: The taught the doctrine of emanations, so hateful to the defenders of the unity in the Trinity, and vice versa. The unknown deity with them had no name, but his first female emanation was called pithos or depth. It answered to the Shekinah of the Kabbalists, the veil which conceals the wisdom in the cranium of the highest of the three heads. As the Pythagorean monad, this nameless wisdom was the source of light, and ennia or mind, is light itself. The latter was also called the primitive man, like the Adam Kodman or ancient Adam of the Kabbalah. Indeed, if man was created after his likeness, and in the image of God, then this God was like his creature in shape and figure, hence, he is the primitive man. The first Manu, the one evolved from Swayamhuva, he who exists unrevealed in his own glory, is also, in one sense, the primitive man, with the Hindus. Thus, the nameless and the unrevealed, Bithos, his female reflection and ennia, the revealed mind proceeding from both, or their son are the counterparts of the Chaldean First Triad as well as those of the Brahmanic Trimorti. We will compare. In all three systems we see the great first cause as the one, the primordial germ, the unrevealed and grand all, existing through himself. In the Indian pantheon, Brahma Zyavs, Chaldean, Alu, Kabbalistic and Sof, a fight system, the nameless, or secret name. Whenever the Eternal awakes from its slumber and desires to manifest itself, it divides itself into male and female. It then becomes, in every system, the double sex deity, the universal father and mother. Indian pantheon Brahma Nara, male, Nari, female. Chaldean, icon or Ensof, Anu, male, Anata, female. A fight system, nameless spirit. Abrasax, male, Bithos, female. From the union of the two emanates a third or creative principle, the sun, or the manifested logos, the product of the divine mind. Indian Pantheon, Viraj, the sun. Chaldean, Bel, the sun. A fight system, office, another name for Ennia the sun. Moreover, each of these systems has a triple male trinity, each proceeding separately through itself from one female deity. So, for instance. Indian Pantheon the Trinity, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, are blended into one, who is Brahma, neuter gender, creating and being created through the Virgin Nari, the mother of perpetual fecundity. Kaldium, the Trinity, Anu, Bel, Hoa, or Sin, Samas, Bin, blend into one who is Anu, double-sexed, through the Virgin Mylitta. A fight system, the Trinity consisted of the mystery named Sij, Bithos, Enia. These become one who is Abrasax, from the Virgin Sophia, or Numa, who herself is an emanation of Bythos and the mystery god emanates through them christos to place it still clearer the babylonian system recognizes first the one ad or Adad, who is never named but only acknowledged in thoughts as the hindi swam huva from this he becomes manifest as anu or anna the one above all honas next comes the demiurge called bel or elu who is the active power of the godhead the third is the principle of wisdom Hia or hoa who also rules the sea and the underworld. Each of these has his divine consort, giving us Anata, Belta, and Devkina. These, however, are only like the Saktis, and note specially remarked by theologists. But the female principle is denoted by mylida, the great mother, called also Ishtar. So, with the three male gods, we have the triad or Trimurti, and with Mylida added, the Arba or four, Tetractys of Pythagoras, which perfects and potentializes all. Hence, the above given modes of expression. The following Chaldean diagram may serve as an illustration for all others. Triad. Anu, Bel, Hoa, Arba Eel, or fourfold God become with Christians Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, Mary, or Mother of these three gods, since they are one, or the Christian heavenly Tetrarchdes. Hence, Hebron, the city of Kabiri, was called Kerjath Arba, City of the Four. The Kaveri were Axieros, the Noble Eros, Axiocursos, the Worthy Horned One, Axiocursa, Demeter, and Kodmiel, Hoa, etc. The Pythagorean Ten denoted the Arba-eel or Divine Four, emblematized by the Hindu Linum, Anu, 1, Bel, 2, Hoa, 3, which makes 6. The Triad in Milita S4 makes the Ten. H.P. Blavatsky Though he is termed the primitive man, Enia, who is like the Egyptian Pymander, the power of the thought divine, the first intelligible manifestation of the divine spirit in material form, he is like the only begotten son of the unknown father, of all other nations. He is the emblem of the first appearance of the divine presence in his own works of creation, tangible and visible, and therefore comprehensible. The mystery god, or the ever-unrevealed deity fecundates through his will Bithos, the unfathomable and infinite depth that exists in silence, sig, and darkness, for our intellect, and that represents the abstract idea of all nature, the ever-producing cosmos. As neither the male nor female principle, blended into the idea of a double-sex deity in ancient conceptions, could be comprehended by an ordinary human intellect, the theology of every people had to create for its religion a logos, or manifested word, in some shape or other. With the Ephites and other Gnostics who took their models direct from more ancient originals, the unrevealed Bythos and her male counterpart produce Enia, and the three in their turn produce Sophia, thus completing the Tetrarches, which will emanate Christos, the very essence of the Father Spirit. As the unrevealed one or concealed Logos in its latent state, he has existed from all eternity in the Arba Eel, the metaphysical abstraction, therefore, he is one with all others as a unity, the latter, including all being indifferently termed ennia, sig, silence, bithos, etc., As the revealed one, he is androgyne, Christos, and Sophia, divine wisdom, who descend into the man Jesus. Both father and son are shown by Irenaeus to have loved the beauty, formam, of the primitive woman, who is bithos, depth, as well as Sophia, and as having produced conjointly office and Sophia, double-sexed unity again, male and female wisdom, one being considered as the unrevealed Holy Spirit, or Elder Sophia, the Pneuma, the intellectual mother of all things, the other the revealed one or office, typifying divine wisdom fallen into matter or Godman, Jesus, whom the Gnosticophytes represented by the serpent, office. Fecundated by the divine light of the Father and Son, the highest spirit and Ennia, Sophia produces in her turn two other emanations one perfect Christos, the second imperfect Sophia Akamoth, from Akamoth, simple wisdom who becomes the mediatrix between the intellectual and material worlds. Christos was the mediator and guide between God, the higher, and everything spiritual in man. A. Kamath, the younger Sophia, held the same duty between the primitive man, ennia and matter. What was mysteriously meant by the general term, Christos, we have just explained. H. P. Blavatsky H. P. Blavatsky The outer world is so prone to think everything in the physical world is more important than the inner world that is greater than the physical. Physical things are only as important as they reveal the perfection, authority, and reality of the Beloved Eye and Presence, the Great Angelic Host, and the Great Cosmic Beings and Cosmic Plan of Creation. But you who are aware of our presence, you can call into yourselves and into your nation that which we alone can do for your nation, because we can do for your nation what all mankind put together cannot do. So when we ask you to charge yourselves, or you ask us to charge you with fiery truth of the angelic host's sacred fire mastery in you, and sacred fire mastery in the nation that protects it, this becomes the strength of the light in everyone within your borders, to hold a constructive action and render constructive service within the nation, knowingly or unknowingly, to the human intellect. Now if you do not strengthen the nation from within by the ascended master's consciousness, which is also the consciousness of the angelic host, into the life of the people, they are not strong enough within themselves to stand against the mass assimilation of the discord of the past and present throughout the world. So, what I am here for tonight is to bring strength to the nation through those within the nation who will accept our presence. Applause. Thank you so much. Now we are coming closer to mankind because we are coming into the lower atmosphere of earth more frequently, more powerfully, more tangibly, and at a certain point, more visibly those of you who come close to us or feel our presence and associate with us and cooperate with us, will automatically be the first ones to whom we come. But in the meantime, call the fiery truth and sacred fire power of mastery of the entire angelic host into the American people to make them strong enough to take their stand against the evil that wants to destroy them. There are protecting angels who will concentrate the cosmic powers of the sacred fire in concentrated protective action. There are the illumining angels whose radiation of the sacred fire goes into the brain structure of mankind and charges the Ascended Master's intelligence into the consciousness of the outer intellect of individuals. Then there are the healing angels. There are the angels of peace. You have legions of angels of practically every quality, and those qualities are always an action of the sacred fire. Therefore, when you call forth the cosmic sacred fire-sun presence of the revealing flame of the great angelic host, mankind is going to learn something about the truth of our existence, and accept the reality of our presence. And if you'll help us, you'll be strengthened, protected, and made victorious, regardless of mankind's human creation. Those of you who take your stand to bring the knowledge of our reality to human beings, must of necessity, be held within the world of the sacred fire of our life, and thus you cannot fail. It is to prevent your failure that we are pleading and pleading and pleading with mankind to turn Godward and accept the sacred fire help that is everywhere being offered for the purification and the raising of the people of this world. And it is time someone woke up and stood for the reality of that which can only bring assistance to all. Applause. Thank you so much. Beloved Archangel Michael. Now you were, long ago. Offered the opportunity to have a violet flame angel ever willing to fulfill your calls, whenever you accepted the presence of that being with you. We have mentioned this before, and I bring it to your attention again. When you individualized from the Great Central Sun an angel of the Presence accompanied your life stream into embodiment, and has stood guard over your life stream, and will stand guard over the life stream in embodiment, and between embodiments, until the life stream either ascends or passes through the second death. This is how much life provides protection for the individual who has free will. In addition to that angel that never leaves you, unless you become wholly destructive, in addition to that, anything that you wish to bring into manifestation, any service you wish to render to life, can always be brought into existence, protected, expanded, and carried forth to victorious fulfillment by legions of the angelic host whom the ascended masters send to surround the activity, to hold it protected until you bring it to its victorious accomplishment. This is the continual service the Great Cosmic Law sets into action to help every individual who will make conscious effort to hold to the highest, maintain the harmony and the purity within, and stand guard over all that is constructive. These magnificent activities of life are perfect beyond any of your words to describe. And so we want you, when there seems a lack of understanding in those you contact in the outer world as to who the angels are, and what they can do to help mankind illumine individuals as much as they can accept from time to time by our explanation of the law. Use the Ascended Master's words to explain the activity of the angelic host, and you will find they contain a radiation that is the comprehending consciousness that frees the individual. From tonight, if you care to pour forth not only your desire, but your call and your command that the people of the United States of America and every other country from whence you come, can and must understand the fiery truth of the reality, the assistance, the protection, and the sacred fire presence of the angelic host in the physical world at this time, to do that which only the angelic host can do, and which is the God power brought here to keep the hordes of evil from accomplishing their destruction of that which is within your land, or that which is constructive anywhere in the world. You dare to make that call, and we will prove our presence by the blessing we give and the conditions that we will control. This world was not created to be desecrated and destroyed by mankind's unfortunate human creation. These magnificent activities of life's perfection are power without limit. And now is the time when you need power in the physical octave to be the authority over that which will not serve the constructive way of life at this time. And the angelic host are the power provided, and I am here to release it. Applause. Thank you so much, precious ones. Beloved Archangel Michael,